Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. We believe God is going to do something spectacular. Mark chapter 10 is where we're going in the Word. Mark 10, starting with verse 46. And they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more. You got to love this guy. Son of David, have mercy on me. Now he's going nuts. He's screaming this. I mean, they said, be quiet. You're already loud. He cried out even more. Have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer. Rise. He's calling you. It's kind of funny, they're criticizing him. Now they're all chirpy, like their best buds. He's calling you. Jesus was calling him. And we know he was calling him out of his old life into a new life. I believe God's doing that to some people here today. And notice this, and throwing aside his garment, that's vital. He rose and came to Jesus, saying, uh, rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered him and said, what do you want? For me to do for you, the blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Today I'm continuing our series. It's the fourth and final installment on miracles. And I would like to entitle this one today, Breaking the Poverty Mindset. Breaking the Poverty Mindset. Amen? Listen, it's time for us to break out of that restriction that the enemy has put on us saying, you can go this far, but no more. It's like a leash you put on your dog, you know, like I got this much freedom, but I can't go any further. The Lord wants to take you further than you can possibly imagine, even in your money and in your finances. I'm going to say a prayer right now. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness, your goodness. I pray that you would anoint me to preach, anoint us to hear, and we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I know money is funny. and Preachers preaching about money in church can get all weird. I'm not after gold Cadillacs. Not after any of that stuff today. But we're going to jump into it. I believe God does want to break the poverty mindset. I don't think that we realize just how much Jesus cares about our finances, about our money. But let me give you some perspective. In your Bible, there are 272 verses about faith. There are 371 verses about prayer. There are 714 verses about love. Well, we obviously know faith is important. Prayer is important. Of course, love is important. 
but there are 2,172 verses in your Bible about money. That means for every one verse on faith, there's eight on money. For every one verse on prayer, there's six on money. For every one verse on love, there's three on money. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus tells us how much God cares about our needs being met. He concludes this marvelous passage like this. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Everybody say things. What things? Well, in the context, food, housing, clothing. And in our world, in this day and age, I'm just going to tell you right now, if you want food, if you want housing, if you want clothing, you better get a hold of some money somewhere. It takes money to survive. It takes money to buy things, Said, You know what I'm talking about? M-O-N-E-Y. So we can conclude that Jesus cares about your money. He wants you to have the ability to buy things. He cares about you having money. He cares about how much you have. And the text would indicate that. He wants you to have money. And not only that, he cares about how much money you're willing to give. Nothing establishes if you have the money or if the money has you like looking at your generosity. Now, look at Mark 12 for a moment. This is fascinating scripture. We'll take a little detour here for a minute. Now, Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. Now, he goes on. He watched the rich give, and he watched this little widow lady give. He said the widow lady gave more than the rich because they gave out of their abundance. She gave out of her poverty. The idea was this. Jesus was watching people give and watching how they gave. Think if Jesus was sitting here today. It said he sat opposite the treasury. So what if he stood like right there in the baskets right here and he's staring at you when you give into the basket? Wouldn't that be weird? And it says that he, he watched, he observed not only as they gave, but how they gave. So as they took that, you know, $1 bill, talking about being oneness, right? <laughs> Giving that $1 bill, that $5 bill, that $10 bill, whatever. As they gave it, some people probably were cringing like, oh. oh. You know, they hated to give it. Jesus is right there watching them give and watching how they give. I'm trying to make the point Jesus cares about your money. He cares what you do with it. And it is the will of God that we live generous lives, open-handed lives. Uh, in my I Am series, and, and uh, I've talked to you about that, I've got part of my confession. I say that I am a ridiculous giver known for my generosity, and I am a blessing to the body of Christ worldwide. And I believe that confession is true also for this church. Two weeks ago, we blessed Dr. Bob and those missionaries in the Middle East with a great offering. And then a month ago, we blessed Richard and Pam Smoke, not only with a great offering, but paid off one of their projects in those uh, 13 African nations where they are serving. And, and, and we're happy to do it. We're cheerful givers, ridiculous givers, a blessing to the body of Christ worldwide. I want to thank you for being that way, for giving. 
But let me let you in on a little secret. Not only does God care about your giving, the devil cares about your giving too. The devil cares about your money. He wants you to live your life, specifically your financial life, in one of three ways. Listen to this. Number one, he wants you to be poor spiritually and poor financially. Well, that's pretty cool. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know anything about the Lord, and you ain't got no money, well, that's great with the devil. There you are, man. Live your life, and I'll see you in the future, right? The second way you can live is poor spiritually but rich financially. devil's okay with that. You don't know Jesus. You don't know the Lord. I mean, you don't care about anybody but yourself. You, you don't care about pushing the plans and purposes of God forward in this world, in this, in this life. And so as a result, you're spiritually broke. You got money financially, but you'll never give it to the kingdom of God. He's fine with that. That's okay. But there's this third category that's interesting to me, and, and it's where you're rich spiritually and poor financially. Listen to this. That means you've come to know Jesus, born again of water and spirit, but somehow the devil's convinced you that you'll never get ahead, you'll never prosper for sure, you'll never have more than enough, you're always going to be broke, and although you may want to help others or push the kingdom of God forward, give to the work of God, you're just not able to do it because you just don't have any money. Now, I, Listen, I've been broke as Job's turkey. you got to understand. I'm not slamming you if you ain't got no money. I'm just telling you, these are mindsets, and this third one is my assignment to deal with today. The enemy of our soul uses thought patterns which affect our behaviors. They become mindsets, or the Bible would call them strongholds. And financial strongholds are some of the most powerful. But I believe God's going to do a miracle in this place today and break that poverty mindset that's dominated some of the good people in this room. You love Jesus. You'd do anything for Jesus. You want to be a ridiculous giver. You want to be extravagantly generous. But you've been hemmed in. You've been restricted, blocked out, blocked out of the promises that God has for you of more than enough by a mindset in a, in a stronghold. But I declare today in this house that in Jesus' name, the devil is a liar and that stronghold is being broken. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And it's time for a miracle to happen in your wallet that matches the miracle that's happened in your soul. Let that sink in for a minute. The Apostle John, we've been talking about him in the book of Revelation in our absolutely phenomenal Revelation series. Some of y'all don't know we have church here on Wednesday nights. Hello. And we've been just plodding through the book of Revelation written by the Holy Spirit through John, the beloved John the Apostle, and in 3 John 2, John says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. In other words, the miracle he's done on the inside, I'm hoping it manifests on the outside. That's my prayer, he said. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, 
And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. This is in the context of finances. If you look at it on even a cursory view, 2 Corinthians 9, God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work, that you may be able to give and support every good work. Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply, and this is in reference to what was going on in Corinth in 9.8, and because you gave is what he's saying, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Somebody in this room needs to understand today, the NIV puts it like this, Jeremiah 29.11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I've got blessings stored up for you. I want to give you a hope and a future outside of the poverty mindset. God's going to bring that revelation to somebody in this room today, and that revelation is going to destroy that old stronghold, that poverty mentality. Now let's get real and talk about where the rubber meets the road. When you surrender to God in the area of your finances, and I don't have time to get into all the details. We've gone through Dave Ramsey. We've gone through a lot of stuff here at LifePoint. We're not afraid to talk about money. But when you begin to surrender in the area of finances and you start tithing and, and, and giving offerings as you feel led and sowing into the kingdom of God, even to a sacrificial level because that's where the power stuff starts to hit, man, when, when it hurts to give. And, 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 and that old poverty mindset when you started to obey and that old poverty mindset that stronghold of barely enough not enough starts to crumble and you start walking in faith in your finances in that more than enough mentality you start walking in that then what you have done is you've set yourself up for your financial resources to begin to match your spiritual resources to prosper as your soul has prospered. And that mindset is an absolute threat to the kingdom of darkness and to the devil that's in this world. You hear what I'm saying? That's a threat. That's a threat. We've had some dreams that have taken place recently here at LifePoint. I thought about them as I was preaching this morning in the first service. Milton had this dream, and he dreamed that the clouds got dark, rain was coming, and the rain started falling. And as the little rain droplets hit the ground, they kind of like had legs, and they just took off running. And they were on assignment. The Lord said, these, these are the, this is the enemy, and they've got assignments. They've, they've come down to... Work their mischief. Well, Heather had a dream. She was telling me about it, where there there were the there were these there was this there was this smoke that was ascending from here up to the Lord, and she was wanting to know what it was. And she looked in the Book of Revelation and realized, oh, that's the prayers of the saints. And I kind of put the two together, and I'm like, well, if the enemy's got assignments, well, then the the prayers of the saints have assignments as well that are canceling out what the enemy, I'm telling you what the enemy means for harm, God can turn it around for good. I read that in my Bible somewhere it seems like. God knows how to cancel the assignment of the enemy as a matter of fact and take all that chaos and turn it around for good. 
How many of you know what a turnaround is? Well, now let me tell you about a turnaround that some of you and the plants know about. Yes, it means some money, right? <laughs> That's funny. That wasn't in my notes, but here's what a turnaround is. It's when it's an unrelenting schedule. Day after day after day after day, hour after hour after hour after hour, because there's this assignment that you gotta complete. And so there's no stopping. Guys, we can't stop. We got this assignment. We got a turnaround. We got a contract on the line. We got a lot of money at stake. So there's this turnaround where it's this hectic. When you start obeying the Lord in your finances and that stronghold starts to break, that poverty mentality, what happens is the devil kicks into high gear and starts working overtime to get you out of faith, to get you off that, to get you to quit, to get you to turn around and to turn back. That's what he does because he knows if they have faith in God and a passion for the lost and they're on fire for God and they have some money, they're going to come after me and mine. And so he starts working overtime to get you off of your game. If you've ever experienced that, can I get a hearty amen? Now, by the way, our debt-free initiative is just chugging along nicely. We started around the $400,000 mark and we're 55000 or so Lower now, thank you, Jesus. I talked to her. Come on now, yeah, that's awesome. More is coming in. We I talked to our banker this week. We have a commercial loan every five years. We do this automatic refi, and and we were talking this week. He's we're in the process of that refi. It's it's not like we call them and say, hey, we want to refi. They like call me and they say, hey, we're refining because it's at five years. And uh, we've been sending them all the financials and on. What's happening is we're re what's, what's really cool is that because we've been paying this thing off, we're financing a lower amount on the refi than we started with, which means our note goes down, you know, our monthly note, so we can add extra on that as well. So it's just it's pretty cool. But here's the deal. I, I, I'm ready to see that drop from uh, down below the 300s and then down below the 200s and then down below the 100s and then into the 50s and the 40s and the 30s and one day we're going to get a paid in full from that bank and we're going to burn that bad boy mortgage right up here. Burn it to smithereens in Jesus' name. <laughs> the devil's wanting to break a poverty. The, the Lord wants to break a poverty mindset. Poverty mindset. The fellow in our story was a blind beggar. Jesus was on his way out of Jericho and a large crowd was following him. I mean, it was noisy, it was chaotic, it, it was tumultuous. And, and here's this guy, he hears this cacophony of racket and noise. He's blind, he can't see. He knows something's going on, he's curious. And so he... he inquires, he finally gets the scoop that at the center of it all, in the middle of the ruckus, was a man named Jesus. Now, he had heard of Jesus. I mean, Jesus was famous. As a matter of fact, this is the last pass by that Jesus is going to have at Jericho before the cross. This is the last opportunity right here. So he's been ministering for three years or so. This man has heard of Jesus. Jesus heals people. Jesus is a miracle worker. He's heard this. Jesus' ministry was not just he healed a few folks and that was it. There were moments when he was restricted in his healing ministry 
Yes, I did say he was restricted in his healing ministry. It's what the Bible says in Mark 6. There he could not do many miracles because of their unbelief. But there were times when he healed everything and everybody in sight. Faith was high. And, and so when we say the miracle ministry of Jesus, he eradicated sickness in, in, in that part of the country. It was incredible. And so, of course, this blind beggar had heard of Jesus. And when he heard that it was Jesus, he went nuts. He went nuts. It reminds me of my beloved dog, Opie. Opie is an ancient dog. Some of you have met Opie. He's ancient of days. He's an old gentleman. He wears a diaper. He's, he's blind as a bat. He's got massive cataracts. Uh, he can't hear. He's got skin problems. But he's our beloved Opie. And Opie uh, loves Valerie. You just have no idea. He lives to just be near Valerie. You know, Valerie sometimes says, why can't you be more like Opie? I'm just telling you, Opie's, Opie's something else. And, 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 and I walk in the door, and Opie doesn't budge. But Opie will be laying in his bed, looks like he's in a coma, tongue hanging out, eyes open, he's dead asleep. And, and, and Valerie can pull up in her car into the garage, like, not out of her car, like push the button, the garage opens, she pulls into the garage, and, and I, I'm, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Opie sits up like a bullet, gets all bug-eyed, starts trying to rouse himself, crawls out of his bed, he can't see anything, starts like running into things. You, you hear him like bump, bump. That's Opie, he's excited, he's running into the wall. You know what he's doing? He's looking for Valerie. He knows she's in. And he won't relax until he gets near her and she touches him and pets him. And, and he's so happy. He just wants to be around Valerie. That's why she says that. Why can't you be more like Opie? I'm like, Opie, see now, mama, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get in trouble. I better stop. But the thing is, Bartimaeus, they say, he's like, what in the world is all that racket or the soul? coming through what's going on and they said no it's it's Jesus of Nazareth and he comes alive he's like where is he and he can't see right so he's like oh he's you know running into people but he's like moving he's just trying to follow his ears follow the the, the noise where is this guy I heard he could change people maybe he could change my life I'm going to tell you something. Jesus was a healer then. He's a healer now. He can change your life then. He can change your life now. Even more so because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He ever lives to make intercession for us, y'all. He can change your life. Glory to God. Glory to God. And so Bartimaeus, this is interesting. It's not Bartimaeus. It, it doesn't seem to be at least because it says Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Bar means son of, so it's son of Timaeus, son of Timaeus. Bar to Timaeus, Bar to Timaeus. It, it, it doesn't quite, it doesn't quite, quite make sense. You have to do some forensic research on it. 
and we get a couple of tidbits about his dad, Timaeus, just, just from uh, digging in a little bit. First of all, Timaeus could not have been wealthy. In other words, his father could not have been wealthy or else Bartimaeus would not have been begging. He doesn't come from money. There may be one or two people in this room that doesn't come from money. Timaeus didn't come from money. This is not old money. This is not new money. You know, this is not oil money. This is not tech money. There ain't no money. Timaeus was not a wealthy man or else Bartimaeus would not have been begging. And then there's this. You have to do a deep dive into the Aramaic. It's interesting digging this out. I came across something I'd never come across before. The, the, the word in the Aramaic, which was part of the, the word scape in those days, uh, the word for Timaeus in Aramaic means poverty. So Bartimaeus was the son of poverty. Could it mean that Bartimaeus was raised in poverty, mentored by poverty-minded people, expected to live in poverty, destined to live in poverty, like father, like son? Could it be that that was just how his people lived? That's how they were? It's how his dad was? It's in the DNA? It's how you're going to be? He was made for begging. That's just how we are, son of poverty, This is how you're going to live. And then add on top of that, plus you're blind. Son, you don't have a chance. And yet when he hears of Jesus, oh, he's like, I'm ready for a change. I don't care if I am blind right now. I'm looking for Jesus. I don't care if I am poor right now. I'm looking for Jesus. I believe Jesus can change. Jesus, you can get to to know Jesus in such a way that he changes everything about you. And all the expectations that all the labels that people have put on you and all the definitions they've attached to you, they no longer fit. Why? Because I met a man named Jesus who changed everything about me. I love that. And he's a good beggar. He's he's good at it. He 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 had uh he was a highly developed beggar. He had his own place where he begged, a station. You know what they say, location, location, location. He had him a station, man. He was a professional beggar. And he even had a garment. If you study it out, you'll see that garment identified him as a beggar. He was dressed. He was licensed to beg. He was an expert. So it was, it was second nature to him. It was deep in his spirit. I'm a beggar. I'm the son of a beggar. I'll always be a beggar. This this is just the way I'm going to live. It was a poverty mindset that had a hold of him until he got in proximity to this Jesus that he had heard about. 
I want to tell somebody today, just because your family struggled with addictions, just because your family struggled in religion, with relationships, or with money, does not mean that you have to. You hear what I'm saying? Jesus can change everything about everything about you, including your finances and your money. It's not the will of God that you always barely get by or can't seem to get ahead, or you just can't be blessed and others are. You just can't be a blessing to others or to the church of the living God. My God wants you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. It's time for that poverty mentality to be broken off of you in Jesus' name. Now, I love this. I love this. He had this garment that identified him as a beggar, this garment. And check it out. We have the son of poverty, and he starts... He hears Jesus is in the house. Now, this son of poverty was not ignorant of the word because he knew that Jesus was messianic. He assigns a scriptural, messianic scripture to Jesus. He starts saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. That's messianic. He knew something about the word. He knew this is the one true and living God manifest in the flesh, come to save and redeem. Son of David. Interestingly, David, we know him, shepherd boy, giant killer. First Chronicles, I believe it is, 29, says that David also was financially a contributor to the building of the temple that his son Solomon would build. And the scripture gives us the amounts of gold and silver that he donated to the building of the temple. And if you run the numbers, some scholars say it's as high as $4 billion. David was an extravagant giver. Started as a shepherd boy. God favored him, blessed him. He had more than enough, and he just gives and gives generously, gives and gives And so here you have son of poverty calling on the son of David to have mercy on him. It just strikes me as interesting, right? Son of David, have mercy on somebody like me. I'm going to tell you something. I love that. And the son of David doesn't say, get out of here. I'm a son of David. You're a son of poverty. He doesn't say, when you become a son of David, then let you and me talk. He said, okay, I'll meet with you right where you are, son of poverty. Let me meet right with right uh, meet you right where you are. He he condescends to me with G, with with the son of poverty right where he is. And I love it. The guys saying, "Have mercy on me." Like, please be merciful. I didn't ask for this. I'm just asking, be merciful. Show me the mercy. Show me some power, God. Do something in my life and change me. And I love this when Jesus had called him over. That old boy, you want to talk, talk about faith. That old boy took his license to beg, which was his garment, and he threw it away. You know what he was saying? I'm never going back. Hey, little uh, uh, sophomore beggar over there, you can have my primo real estate, and you can take over my begging business because my begging days are done because I've had an encounter with Jesus. Somebody needs to understand today, Jesus wants to get involved in every aspect of your life, and your begging days can be over if you'll put your hand in the hand of the man named Jesus Christ. Amen. 
I believe that with all of my heart. He cried out to Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Some of us, we need to get rid of our poverty mentality. We need to get rid of that identification. You need to quit talking the way you talk all the time. You know how it is. Things are just so bad. We never seem to get ahead. All that kind of stuff. Start putting your attention on the Word of God. That's what we taught in that I Am series. I'm a ridiculous giver. I'm known for my generosity. Start having an open hand. Well, I don't have any money. Well, what do you have? You got time? Can you help somebody? Can you start sowing? I mean, start being a giver somehow. Start getting outside of selfishness. The miracle that he's done on the inside, let it manifest on the outside. And watch what God starts doing in your money and in your finances. God has a way. You're like, well, well, I'm not qualified to make more money. You see, I have a limited education. I, I, I have a high school education. I, I didn't even finish high school. I, I, I just got my GED, Pastor. Are you kidding me? What are you, what are you trying to say? I'm telling you that when the favor of God gets on you and the blessing of God gets on you, none of that stuff matters. It all goes out the window. Nick, Nick Tracy was, I, I heard the story, Nick, Nick got a promotion he wasn't qualified for, he wasn't supposed to get, but the boss came to him and said, I see something in you, I want to give you an opportunity. He went through all the tests, came out on the other side, and got the promotion that others thought they might get. They were more qualified, but no, Nick got it. Why? Favor of God on a young man who's put Jesus first. Come on now. God wants to change our mindset. And the devil is a liar. Wants to mess with your money. You, you know, if, if, if you're going to have any kind of attack in your life, it's going to be in your finances. If the de- devil can get you all tangled up in your finances, he's going to get the rest of your life all tangled up. All you can focus on is that financial situation. Can't sleep, can't hardly eat, can't have any fun. It's just weighing on you. I'm telling you, God wants to change those situations. God wants to give some promotions in this room today. Not so we can have gold Cadillacs. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not one of those slick television preachers. Not that I'm opposed to going on television and preaching, and I'm against television preachers. But you know what I'm saying. So I'm an Internet preacher, right? <laughs> I was a radio preacher years ago in Maryland. Three and a half million people. Got all kinds of hate mail. It was encouraging That's another story. Y'all don't even know about that. But God can give you promotions you're not qualified for. Jobs you didn't even apply for. God can open doors that no man can open. Shut doors that no man can shut. Devil's on assignment trying to mess you up. Prayers of the saints go up. Boom, assignment's canceled. God opens a door. God can give you raises. and God can... Prosper your business. God can give you a, why, why can I say that with confidence? And this works worldwide. This is not a North American prosperity gospel. What I'm telling you is I can say that with confidence because Jesus, we just looked at some scriptures and there's many, many more that say he cares about your money. He cares about your finances. Stand with me right now. Here's what we're going to do in this house today. This is, this is my assignment. I love this blind Bartimaeus and this son of poverty. Fascinating. He couldn't be stopped. 
They tried to shut him up. Hey, dude, keep it down. Jesus hears faith and says, oh, calls him. I feel like God's calling some people. You've been provoked in your spirit. I think maybe Jesus could touch my money and my finances. And now he's calling you into his presence. Let's talk about this. Let me touch you. What do you want from me? Today we're going to pray, and, and this is not spooky, and, and this is not, uh, you know, some kind of uh, hocus pocus, but we're going to pray for wallets, checkbooks, finances. We're going to pray for businesses, entrepreneurs, raises, promotions, favor, settlements. Some of you got some legal situations you need settled. Some contracts, legal deals to be resolved. You know, we're going to pray because we believe, I believe, that's my assignment. It's our fourth installment. We're dealing with money. God wants to release some finances in your life. Come on, I believe that. Close your eyes with me right now. Holy Spirit, just rest on this congregation right now. Who are we that you're mindful of us? What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man? But God, you are. We're so grateful. I, I, I thank you, God, that you care even about our finances. Wow. No wonder we cast our cares on you because you care for us. You even care about my money, my checkbook, my debt load. You care about the bills being paid. You care about the house I live in, the car I drive, the food that I put on my table. You care about me as a provider. You care about me, Father, out here in the workplace. God, you care about me. Look at me for a moment. I'm telling the church, I'm telling you, church, that the Lord has been chastising me this week. Your thinking is so small. You still got some poverty mindset going on in your life, DH. You think... Man, this is the only way God can do it. This is the only way I can, God can do it. And, and He's been challenging me. I'm telling you, stretch and expand my thinking. God can get You think, well, this is how God will get money to me. You just do what you can do, but God can get money to you in ways you can't even possibly fathom. Open doors. I mean, you don't have to have a clear vision of the next step, son of poverty. Just follow Jesus and watch what he does. He'll get it to you somehow. Be faithful with what you know to do and watch what God does with the rest. And for goodness sake, walk in faith, man. Put your whole heart into it. I'm trusting you, Lord. And listen to that still, small voice. Come on, one more time. Close your eyes with me right now. Father, I pray, God, that you would just put faith in the hearts of these people that comes from hearing the word. I pray, God, it would rise up. I pray, God, a vision for the future would rise up, God, that we would understand you have plans to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future. In the name of Jesus, I don't have to curse my situation. I can bless the name of the Lord, and, God, you can begin to change my situation in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.